Now, I gave a couple pro tips last week. I want to reiterate those because if you've never read through Romans, it can be a little challenging the first time. In fact, I just talked to somebody last service. They were like, man, I like Romans, but there's parts of it that are hard to understand. Hey, you are in good company, by the way. The Apostle Peter said, Paul writes some things that are hard to understand. So if even Peter couldn't understand some of Paul's things, you're in good company. But that's why we're taking our time. Here's the pro tip. First of all, go slow, right? You you don't need to read through the, the whole book. You don't need to read through all the chapters at once. Maybe just read a little section. And that's actually what I'm going to do today. I'm going to take a little section and and preach to you to to kind of help you understand as you're reading it, how you should be processing this. You might just take a little section. You might read all three chapters and maybe or two chapters this week and maybe just read those two chapters every day because you're going to see some different things. But go through it slowly. Second thing is get a translation that you understand. Get something that's easy. People ask me all the time, Pastor, what's the best Bible translation? The best one is the one that you read. The, the best one is the one that you understand, right? It doesn't matter if, if you're, you know, King James, New King James, that's awesome. But there's lots of translations out there. And many times when I preach, I'll use from different translations because I, I want to show you that seeing things in a different translation can help you understand God's word. And even better, you can do it in a group. Don't just do this alone. Husbands, wives, read it together. Talk about, not have to sit down, read it together, but, but talk about what you're reading. Hey, what'd you get? Or did you do your reading today? Or maybe you got some friends and you want to talk about it. And if you are going to do it in a group, let us know. You can shoot us an email at groups at Find Velocity. We'll send you some extra resources to some questions and some helpful hints to go along with the message. But if you missed last week, we started in chapter one. And what we discovered is that Paul is walking us down a path for personal revival. He, he begins by letting us know the good news about the bad news. That's what the gospel is, by the way. God, gospel is not just the good news. The gospel is the good news about the bad news. If you don't ever address the bad news, you're not really going to understand what the gospel is, because the gospel is the good news about the bad news. What's the bad news? Well, the bad news is there's some things that you and I have done wrong. The bad news is the state that the world is in right now. The the bad news is the condition of humanity, that There's things in our life that have separated us from God. There's things in our life that has put us at odds from God. There's things about our thinking and our decisions that are not congruent with who God is and his word and his purpose and his plan. And that really, that's the first three chapters of the book of Romans. Paul's wanting to give you the gospel. What is the gospel? Well, I got to tell you the bad news. And he kind of summarizes all of it. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, you probably heard this before. It says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Not a one of us in here is immune from that. Every single person has missed it. Every single one of us has fallen short of God's standard, of his glory, of what he wants for us. Now, the cool thing is that Just by that verse, you can see you were intended for glory. The other thing is, is that 
There, there's not a single one of us that is worse than someone else. That's the good news. Sometimes you can come to church, you're like, I don't know if this is for me. Like, I've done some really bad stuff. I know I've got it all together. I've got this mask on my face, and I, I kind of keep it covered up. You don't know what I've done. I've done some bad stuff. It might work for a few people in here. I don't know if it's going to work for me. Here's the good news. Not a one of us is, is immune to the fact. Not a one of us is, is elevated. All of us have fallen short. You are no worse than anyone else. The gospel still applies to you. So it goes on to tell us, here's the good news, verse 24 says, And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. And this is the idea that he's going to take time to develop in chapter 4 and chapter 5, that we've been justified freely by his grace through redemption. So in, in chapter 4, what Paul does is he wants to explain what this means. And he looks at this guy by the name of Abraham. You've probably heard of him before. He's called the father of faith. And he kind of goes back through his story because he's writing to Jews and Gentiles. And so he first starts by talking to the Jews, father Abraham. And says, Abraham, see, the Jews thought that they were justified by just who they were, what they had done in this outward sign. He says, well, let's talk about the father of faith. Let's talk about Abraham. He wasn't justified by the sign of the covenant, which in this case was circumcision. He says, that's not why he was justified. He was justified because he believed God. And God counted it as righteousness. It was because he trusted in Jesus. Before he even had a sign of the covenant, God counted it as righteous. And so Romans 5 now is going to illustrate what that looks like and starts by talking about all the benefits and he's going to unpack the process in Romans chapter 5. So I want to begin in verse 1 of Romans chapter 5. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. We'll put the words on the screen. And just another pro tip, if you don't have a Bible, you can download one on your phone. Just go to Bible.com. That's how I engage with God's Word most often. There's a lot of different translations you can choose from, and uh, there's even some Romans reading plans that you can engage with there if you want to do that. But Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope, and hope, does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. In other words, he's saying, I want you to know about all that Christ has done. And what Christ has done isn't just about being rescued. There's also some rewards. Are you rescued from sin? Yes, but there's some other stuff that comes with it that I want you to understand. So I'm calling this message today, if you're taking notes, Calling this message, it's all part of the package. It's all part of the package. Have you ever felt like you missed out? Anybody? Just see if you're with me today. You felt like you missed out? Yeah, some of us. I feel like I missed out because not everybody's raising their hand. 
you're missing out on your opportunity right now. All of us have different moments where we feel like we miss out. I don't know what that has been for you. It could be that maybe it was a timing issue. Marissa and I have had people give us gift cards before only to find out that that restaurant to the gift card ended up closing down. You miss out. They weren't that good of friends anyway. Um, it's not you. It's me. No, there's different reasons why you miss out. Maybe, um, maybe you missed out because you didn't qualify. Sometimes that can hurt. You wanted to be a part of something, but you had to be this tall to ride the ride, and you didn't make it. I think there's nothing worse in missing out, though, when you just lacked the information. It was available to you the whole time. You didn't know about it. I'll, I'll never forget the first time uh, I went to this event. I, I went to a Ritz-Carlton hotel. I don't know if you've ever been to a Ritz-Carlton hotel. This was 15 years ago. And I got invited to this leadership event. This was before we had started the church. I got invited to this leadership event and uh, it was at the Ritz-Carlton. Now, I didn't stay at the Ritz-Carlton. I stayed at the Super 8 because it was all I could do to have gas money to get to this event. I don't even know how I got invited to this event. It was definitely a place I did not belong. Everybody was older than me. Everybody had uh, significant things that they were leading. I was just getting started with most of life. I was at this event. And as much of these kind of conference, you know, round table type small gatherings are, you know, there were some sessions and they'd break out for lunch. And me being my first time at this hotel, I didn't know what to expect. First time in any kind of environment like this. Went to the session, it was great. I met some people, break for lunch. Well, I didn't have much money. I'm going into the hotel lobby. They've got a restaurant there. I'm like, you know, can I get some water, some bread, some free bread? I was a little coffee, so nothing too awkward, you know. Session starts up a couple hours, only to realize that everybody else had had, like, man, all these, like, lattes and snacks and cookies and dessert. And I said, man, where'd you get all that? Oh, it was just down the hall in the other room. It was all available to me the whole time. I could have been getting free lattes. I could have been going back for seconds not just seconds on the bread, but seconds on the steak and everything that was with it. And I missed out, not realizing just being in the room, it was all part of the package. See, a lot of us have done that with salvation. We got into the room and we didn't realize there was a lot of other stuff that came with it that we have not been taken advantage of. So Paul, he, uh, he doesn't want you to miss out. He spends the first four chapters building this case that, yes, through Christ, you have salvation, but with salvation also comes justification. He uses lots of big words. It's, it's really confusing. Honestly, like at our house, we invite our you know, we, we have our kids, we always eat at the dinner table. It's a good thing to do. And we ask our kids, you know, invite them to tell us about their day, invite them to tell us what's going on. And it's like a whole nother world. 
You know, sometimes at the end of the meal, they'll say things. Reese will be like, hey, it was, it was great. Thanks for dinner, Mom. Really good. And then Oliver's like, man, that chicken was bussin'. And Grant <laughs> is like, bet, no cap. And Pippa is like, these vegetables look sus. And I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's like this whole other language just to converse with them. And I kind of feel that way when I read Romans chapter 4 because Paul's writing and he's like, you know, he's, he's like, God has imputed his righteousness to you. Imputed? I've never even used that word in my life. What does that mean? He means he took something from someone else and credited it to you. So the, the righteousness of God, Jesus, his, his righteousness, he says, that's going to be your righteousness. He says things like propitiation. I can't even say that word. Can you just make me not feel stupid and turn to somebody and say propitiation? Just say it five times fast. Propitiation, 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 propitiation. Yeah, it's, so it's a tongue twister. Well, propitiation, what that means is that, means, see, because God is righteous and holy, there has to be a penalty for sin. He would not be righteous and he would not be holy if he allowed sin without penalty. And so there has to be a penalty for sin. And propitiation is that Jesus' death and sacrifice appeased that judgment. That it satisfied that penalty. That's propitiation. He, then he says things like justify, justification. Well, what is Justification. Justification means that you're put in right standing with God through Jesus. It's, it's how you get right with God. It's the special status that you're given because of what Christ has done. You've been justified. Is that a Justin Timberlake album? Yes, but it also is a biblical word. You've been justified. This is the way I think about it. It's just if I'd never sinned. It's not original with me. It's like an old preacher thing, but it's good. What does it mean when you're justified? It's like justified, never sinned. When you mess up, you screw up, you did something you know was wrong, God says you're justified. When you come, you confess your sin, your faith is in what Jesus is. It's just like you've never sinned, that you're made right. That's what it means to be justified. Now, none of this is earned. It's all received. And when Paul writes Romans 5, he's saying, you need to understand the, the benefits that come. You need to understand the stuff you've been missing out on. And there, there's five things I want to talk about all in Romans 5, in these first five verses that we need to know we have because we've been justified. The first one, we find it in the very first verse. He says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. What's the first thing? Peace with God. The, the first immediate effect of justification is peace with God. Not peace in God. Not the peace of God. 
peace with God. What do I mean by that? It's not simply a feeling, it's a fact. Sometimes people think, man, I, I don't know, I've got all this stuff in my life. I'm not talking about what you feel. I'm not talking about feeling peace. I'm talking about the fact of peace, that because of what Jesus has done, I'm no longer an enemy of God. Maybe some of you thought, well, I don't know. I don't know that I've ever had anything against God. Am I an enemy of God? I, I, I'm not against God. Well, your sin is against God. You might not have had active antagonistic thoughts, but your sin is contrary to God's plan and God's purpose and God's will. And when something sets us in opposition to God's plan and God's purpose, it puts us at war with God. If you read through, and you will this week, Romans 5 and verse 8, he he says, it was while we were God's enemies that we were reconciled to him. You might not feel any different, but it's this reality that our sin has set us in opposition with God. That's why we need peace with him. Sometimes you might be at a funeral and you hear the person giving the homily and they say, now they've made their peace with God. Well, I hate to tell you this, friend, but if you're waiting until the funeral to make your peace with God, it's too late. What Paul is saying is we make peace with God right now through Jesus. If you want to have Peace with God. It's your funeral. You have to have peace with God right now. It's through faith in his death, burial, and resurrection that we trust him for salvation, which brings justification. And when you're justified, Paul wants you to know you have peace with God. Now, the great thing about having peace with God is that it does bring the peace of God. The peace of God. So, You can have peace in your life. You can have peace in your heart. You can have peace in your soul. And the reason you can have the peace of God is because you know you have peace with God. What's that mean? Well, when you know that God is not against you, when you know that there's nothing standing in the way between you and him, when you know that he's not looking at you because of what you've done, when you know that he's thinking about your good and he cares for you and he is scheming ways to bless you when when you know that he loves you and that there's nothing that is keeping you from him that you can pray and he'll hear you that your prayers are not being blocked you can have the peace of god it's interesting to me because one of jesus titles is the prince of peace not the prince of love not the prince of joy but the prince of peace it's because one of the primary things jesus brings into your life is peace. I don't know if you notice, we live in a world that needs some peace. The number one prescription medication given out, antidepressants. The number one mental illness in our nation right now is anxiety. I read this stat that said 40% of Americans have been diagnosed with a behavioral disorder. Some of you thinking, I live with somebody and I know they have a behavioral disorder, but they haven't been diagnosed. You know it's higher, but I'm just saying we live in a world with a lot of pain. And sometimes that pain doesn't make any sense. 
Well, the only antidote for pain that doesn't make sense is peace that makes no sense. Peace that transcends my circumstances. Peace that transcends my thinking. Peace that transcends what I'm going through right now. A peace that's in my heart and in my soul and fills my spirit. See, Jesus is the Prince of Peace because he shows us that God is no longer my judge holding my sins against me, but God is my Father. So, we have peace with God. Another thing we have, it's in verse 2. He says, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace which we now stand. We've got access to grace. Don't miss out on these benefits because it's part of the package. You've got peace with God, but you've also got access to grace. What's grace? Well, grace has been called the unmerited favor of God. It's about what you don't deserve. See, the mercy of God is about you not getting what you do deserve. What do you deserve? Punishment. What do you deserve? Hell. What, what do you deserve? Nothing good. Grace is about getting what you don't deserve. What, what don't you deserve? All the resources of heaven at your disposal. Like access. A- access means that, that we have a right. Access means that we can enter. Access means that we can obtain. You got to access that file. There's something in there that you're looking to retrieve, right? You, you want to, my kids like to access our pantry because they want the snacks in there. A- access is, is where you can go into and obtain something. It also implies that generally it's secured. Like there's, not everybody has access, but you've been given access. You know, you think about the things you secure, it's, it's things that are valuable, things that, that matter. You might secure something with a password. You might have a safe where you keep your jewelry or valuables or, or money, the things that, that, that are valuable and powerful. Well, Paul tells us because we've been justified, we have access to grace. All the resources of heaven at our disposal. One of my favorite stories that illustrates this so well is the life of a man named George Mueller. Now, you may have never heard of George Mueller. He was a Christian alive in the 19th century. And it would be everybody served well to, to look him up because George was really fascinating. In fact, he kept a journal of much of his life. He wanted to do great things for God. He wanted to be used by God. He wanted to be an evangelist, he, but some things that he wanted never worked out. What he ended up doing was he started an orphanage. And the 19th century started an orphanage. In his lifetime, he cared for over 10,000 orphans. And he also started 117 schools and uh, educated with Christian education over 120,000 kids. That's what this man, George Mueller, did. It's pretty awesome. What makes it more awesome, though, is that He never took a salary. He never raised support. He had this supernatural faith, this special faith, this gift of faith, where he believed all of heaven's resources are at my disposal. He actually, before he ever started the orphanage, he said this. He wrote down a manifesto about what this was going to be. It's really cool. You can read it. But he said, this home will only be established 
if God provides the means and suitable staff to run it. And because he kept a journal, you can read day after day, week after week, miracle after miracle that took place in his life just by trusting God to meet his needs. There's this one story he tells about where uh, his wife said to him, we don't have anything to feed the kids in the morning. We're, we're all out of oatmeal or whatever it was that they had. So, well, we're going to have to pray. They prayed that night. They woke up, still nothing. Well, what are we going to do? Gather the kids, get them around the table. We're gonna, we know God's going to provide. Kids sit down, still no food. They say a prayer, get ready to bless this food that they don't have. He said, God, I thank you for how you're going to provide for us. At that moment, a knock on the door. Baker shows up. He says, hey, God arrested me. I have, I've made all this bread. I'm supposed to give it to you. In that moment, he said, God, thank you not only for bread, but for fresh bread. Two minutes later, another knock on the door. The milkman, his truck had broken down outside their home. He says, hey, my truck just broke down. I have all this milk. It's going to take me forever to get my truck fixed. It's going to spoil if I don't do something with it. Can you use it? This happened on a regular basis for George Mueller. And he understood, I'm trying to help you see that access to grace is a real thing. That whatever you need, God knows what you need. He, he knows the things that are keeping you up at night. He knows where you need him to come through. He, he knows what you're praying about and what you're desperate about. And I'm telling you, because you've placed your faith in Jesus, you have access to grace, access to heaven's resources. You don't need a pastor or a priest to connect to God. You don't even need to come to church to connect to God. Why does this matter? Because I don't know what's going to happen in your life tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen in your life this Thursday. You're thinking, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I'm in need. You can go to God in that moment. You have access to grace. He hears you and what you need and he answers your prayers. It's, it's not because you earned it. It's not because you deserve it. It's not because you read your Bible five times that day or because you're going through the book of Romans or you did all the right stuff or you live right. No, it is access to grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And when you know that, you can have this third one. There's a third one. What do we have? We've got peace with God. We've got access to grace. Don't miss out on these benefits because they're all part of the package. You also have hope for the future. Hope for the future. He goes on to say in verse 2, we boast in the hope of the glory of God. What does that mean, the glory of God? It's what God has planned for us. It's his intentions, his purposes. It's, it's hope for the future. Now, sometimes we miss what this means because we've diminished hope to the level of a wish. It's like, hey, is God going to be good to you? I hope so. You know, are you going to have a good summer? I hope so. It's like, I, I, hope, I don't know. There's a lot of things that could happen. That's not Bible hope. See, Bible hope is not a wish. It's certainty. Certainty. It's defined many times as a confident expectation. Like, I learned this lesson a while back. I always like to have a trip booked. I don't care if it's a year. I don't care if it's two years out. 
I just always like to have something I'm looking forward to. Like, regardless of what's going on, I'm looking forward to this thing. You know what? And you don't even have to, like, have a trip book. Just, like, put it on your calendar. Just write something down. I'm going to do something great. I'm going to do something fun and put it on the calendar. Have something to look forward to. Well, so Marissa and I, uh, we went out the other night. Our kids are gone. By the way, party at the Jenkins house, and uh, we're having a great time. Normally kids are like when the parents are gone, like party at my house. No, it's, it's party when they're gone. Praise the Lord. Glory to God on high. But we went out to eat, and we're talking about, hey, what do we want to do this summer? What do we want to do with our kids? And plan a little family vacation. And so we kind of put it together, and I went, and I booked our tickets, and I got the hotel, and uh, looking forward to this, right? Now, if you said to me, hey, are you looking, you know, excited about your family vacation? Oh, I hope so. I mean, I hope it works out. No, I, we're going. I got the email receipt. It's a, it's a done deal. Like, it's happening, right? It's not a hope, a wish. It's an anticipation. Like, I don't know everything that's going to happen, but I'm looking forward to what is going to happen. I'm looking forward to that day. That's what Bible hope is. It's an anticipation. Now, just because you have hope for the future, it doesn't mean that your life is going to be free from problems. Far from it. He goes on to say, we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Verse 3, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Excuse me? Sufferings? I mean, that seems strange to me. I get, all right, we'll just endure suffering. We'll put up with suffering. We'll get through suffering. But he says we glory in suffering. That means I got some pride about this. I can boast in this. I'm excited. I can celebrate this. I can rejoice in this. Anybody have some sufferings they just want to be real excited about? And just We'll give you the mic and you can tell us all about it. No, that's not usually the way suffering works. <laughs> suffering we try to avoid, but he says, no, we get excited about it. We glory in it because we know what it produces. It says suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. Character produces hope. He's saying suffering can be productive if you allow it. Sometimes the things we're going through that we would rather not have to endure, that we would rather not have to experience are the very things that God is using in our life. I think about Joseph, Joseph, coat of many colors, Joseph, not Jesus' dad, Mary's husband, Joseph. Joseph, his story is in Genesis. Large part of Genesis is a great, really fun to read because Joseph's story is met with turmoil. He kind of starts out a little cocky. He's like dad's favorite. He's got this coat of many colors. He knows it. So all the brothers get jealous of him and they plan to snuff him out. Well, one of the brothers speaks up, says, well, let's not kill him. Let's just throw him in the pit. Let's leave him there. And he says, well, let's actually sell him into slavery. He is hated by his brothers, gets sold into slavery. Eventually goes from slavery, falsely accused, ended up in prison. Gets forgotten about in prison. Just thing after thing, the, the hits keep coming for Joseph. And yet 
at the end of his life, if you know the story, his brothers are all around him at the end. And in Genesis 50, verse 20, he says, talking to them, he says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. I appreciate what he said because he didn't say, hey, it's all good. No, he says, what you did was evil. Let's call it what it is. There's some stuff that's happened to us that's evil. We're not gonna put like the God card on it or it's all good or it's, no, it's, it's evil. You don't have to beat around the bush. But he says, even though you meant it for evil, and it was, God used it for good. And see, that's what God will, will do in your life through some stuff. Maybe it's by your own choices, by your own decisions. Maybe it's by, by none of that. Maybe it's what somebody has done to you. It might be evil. It might be wrong. But God can still use it. And, and what we learn through this principle of having hope for the future is to expect God's best even when we're experiencing our worst. Just open your eyes to the good that God might purpose through this. Paul would write someplace else, he would write, he'd say, we don't grieve like those who have no hope. He doesn't mean that we don't grieve. Things happen. Things hurt. There's sorrow in the world. He just says, we don't grieve like the world because the world doesn't have hope. We do. We have hope in the future. We know that God can use this. We know that God is producing something in us. And if you don't learn this, then every time something bad happens to you, you'll think that God is trying to punish you. Think that God doesn't love you, that doesn't see you, that doesn't care about you. That is not the truth. It's not punishment, it's preparation. He's producing something in you. And if you would focus more on God's glory instead of your story, you would be able to get through a whole lot more suffering. You can't see what God is doing if you keep your eyes just focused on yourself. You've got to keep your eyes open to, to God and his plan and his purpose. And when he brings you on the other side of it, it'll build a powerful hope that cannot be shaken through suffering. That's why he says in the very next verse, verse 5, and hope does not put us to shame. In other words, we're not going to be disappointed. We're not going to look foolish. We're not going to be humiliated by having a hope, a confident expectation that God is using this for his good. It is developing something in us. Why? Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. What is the fourth one? We've got peace with God. We've got access to grace. We've got hope for the future. We've got love from the Father. Love from the Father. The result of this is you are going to experience God's love for you. You don't have to wonder if God's mad at you. Paul tells us we can experience it for ourselves. In fact, in this same chapter, Romans 5.8, he says, God demonstrated his love toward us while we were still sinners. So there's two things going on here. He demonstrates his love and he distributes his love. He demonstrated it in the way he sent Jesus to die on the cross while we were still sinners, and he distributed it by putting it in our 
heart. He, he put it in our heart. So you can see it, but you can also sense it. You, you can see what God has done, but you can experience it for yourself. You don't have to question God's care for you. You don't have to question God's concern for you. You don't have to wonder how he feels about you. What I love about this verse is it also helps me love others. Because sometimes, I, this may be my favorite verse in Romans 5. It's up there for me in, in Romans. Where it says, God's love has been put into our heart by the Holy Spirit. If you will understand this, this will change your relationships with people. You ever get frustrated with somebody? Like, oh man, I cannot believe what they did to me. Well, God loved you while you were still a sinner. God loved you not because of what you did, but because of who he is. So sometimes I pray, God, your love is in my heart. Help me to love like you love. Well, how does God love? Well, 1 Corinthians 13 tells us about the love of God, right? His love is patient, is kind, doesn't envy, doesn't boast, doesn't promote itself, isn't proud, doesn't always have to have its own way, considers others, suffers long. God, if your love is in me, then your love can be come out of me that same way. God, help, help me not to be proud, not to envy, not, not to boast, to be patient, to be kind, not to always have to have my own way, to, to celebrate others, to, to believe all things, rejoice in the truth, endure all things. God, let that love be in me. And that's really the last thing I want to talk to you about. It's not just love from the Father. It's also life in us. Life in us. The, there's benefits. There's rewards. There's some things that are part of the package of being justified that I don't want you to miss out. And the last one is life in us. You understand that revival isn't something that happens out there. It's, it's something that happens in me. This gives me a whole different metric with how I see the world, with how I see suffering, with how I see what I'm experiencing. Because the whole goal of following Jesus isn't what he would do through me, but what he wants to do in me. God wants to do something in me. Am I becoming more like Christ? Am I more prayerful about my decisions? Can I see what God is doing in hardship? I want you to do something in me. Not just change my circumstance. Not just change my situation. God, God I, I want to be renewed on the inside. I don't know if you remember, I, I talked about a definition for revival last week. I said it's, it's to recover, or be renewed from a state of neglect or distress or obscurity, depression, oppression. Things might happen on the outside, but I can be renewed on the inside. And here's the last verse I want to give you. Romans 5 ends with this. Paul says, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That means that your misery can actually be your ministry. That, that the thing that's been holding you back can actually serve to set you up. That you thought, God, this is going to take me out. This is going to wipe me out. I'll never be qualified. I'll never be able to do the thing. No. God says, where sin increased, I've got that much more grace for you. Where, where death reigned through sin, 
I want life to be the theme, the dominant story through the power of the Holy Spirit. There is more grace for you today. There is more power available for you today. There is more life available for you today. Don't make the same mistake I did where you're settling for the free bread, the water, just the, the little bit that you know you can cover on your own. God's got so much more for you. It, it's all part of the package. Peace with God, access to grace, hope for the future, love from the Father, and life in us.